0: everyone, and welcome to another Bible study here at One Love Live at Love Walk, and I am your host, Leela Winston. I pray that you are well, and all is going well in your life. As you know, we come together to study and read in the Word of God so that we can practically apply it to our everyday life. And also so that we can discover the purpose for our lives and of course enact that in the earth as God wills. And so I hope that you have been well. I hope that you are blessed. I hope that you are continually studying your Bible and growing in the Word and practically living that out every day and so as you know we have been continuing with a study called uh, first fruits it is a series and we're actually talking about the fruits of the spirit which are different from the gifts of the spirit we actually have uh, two series here at love walk on the gifts of the spirit one is called the calling series and the other one is uh talents series or talent series so i hope you'll check those out if you want to know what your spiritual gifts are I think those are important parts of our lives and how we live out every day? They also help with some of you know the things that go on with our personality and our interpersonal interactions. But today we're actually talking about the fruits of the spirit, which is something that I think everybody benefits from, whether you are a believer or not. Yes, if you're not a believer, you can benefit from the fruits of the spirit that a believer has. And um, the fruits of the spirit are going to make your relationships way more graceful. It's gonna make your enjoyment of life as an individual, as a believer, more graceful. So let's go ahead and continue um, with our study. Our anchor text has been Galatians chapter 22 uh, verses, I'm sorry, Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 and 23. And it goes like this, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith meekness temperance against such there is no law and so i think these are great um you know sort of attributes and i think of them as character attributes when you really think about it and i've said this before these are the fruits of the spirit these are the things that make any personality palatable for anyone i don't care what kind of personality you may have you know it really gives us an idea of what god expected and what he was or what he was expecting when he created mankind in the beginning so in our series we've gone over love we've gone over joy the next fruit in this uh, series is peace right peace and i don't really hear too many studies bible studies conversations sermons whatever you want to call it on peace and we really really do now maybe it's just in my nick of the woods where they're not talking about it. Maybe they talk about it a lot wherever you are from and I am so grateful for that. But today we're going to be talking about the fruit of the spirit called peace. Okay? So I want to welcome you to the first fruit series on first Fruit of the spirit spirit and so we've been examining the ways in which we are to use those fruits in our lives and the lives of those around us. And in our first Three studies we examined first the nature of what first fruits were right versus gifts of the spirit and so I hope you'll check that out it's called first fruits defined and so if you will check that out uh, spiritual fruits defined and so if you will check that out it will give you kind of some groundwork on what we're doing now the second one was love where we sort of examine what love meant as a spiritual gift and how we operate that in our lives and then we had joy um, which really showed us what the practical application of joy was beyond emotion and feeling. And today we're going to explore the fruit of peace. And this one is huge, guys, because everybody wants peace. And when we look around at the things that are going on in our world, never more is the need for peace growing. So this is a big one, because peace has great import in this world and the next. We also remember that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is called the Prince of Peace. And our royal priestly order is patterned after Melchizedek, who was also the king of Salem. And that Salem means peace uh, in uh, Hebrew. And we can see that in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 2. So there is this element of peace involved in our work as priests. And I want you to understand that if you are a believer, there is an element of peace In everything that you do in every work that you do and I'm gonna show you that we're gonna prove it in Scripture because I don't like to tell you anything if I cannot show it to you in Scripture so the first time we see peace mentioned in the Bible is in regards to a promise that God made to Abraham and I think this is a rather poignant you know sort of concept as we see it as a kind of gift of a promised future for abraham right so we're looking at abraham getting this gift of a promised future but at the same time god is promising peace and so while peace in the context which we are examining today is a fruit of the spirit Throughout scripture, we see it also as a gift that God gives or creates in the lives of his people. I think that's really important to understand, right? We also see peace as something that one can hold on to or let go of. And it is a state in which people can exist or interact with others. And a couple of examples would be like to say, go in peace or hold your peace or something like that. So peace has a lot to do um, with our internal work and also the external way in which we interface with others. I want to show you something in Genesis chapter 15, 15, it says, And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good old age. And that's the first time we see the word peace in the Bible so you can see God promises peace first this is even before we see the king of Salem uh, which is Melchizedek um, which Abraham serves his tithes to he is going in peace and not violence or anger or any other negative sort of um, uh, situation feeling or thought right and so to understand peace We look at the definition and then we work out from there. And we will use the Hebrew definition for peace because I think that is most apt. That is what God was working from. So if I'm not using the Greek and you like the Greek, I'm so sorry about that. We're trying to stay as close as possible to the concepts that God passed on to the Hebrews as the oracles, holders of the oracles of God, right? And that's the only reason why we use it, right? So if we look at the usages in the Bible, we see it is most often used to mean peace what we've come to know as peace but that peace means wellness it means safety and it also means welfare and we see this true meaning of peace is kind of revealed to us throughout the scriptures it's often really amusing and i want to challenge you to do it to ask people to define peace for themselves right and i hope you'll take a time just jot down on a piece of paper what does peace mean to you. I think it will reveal some things about yourself, about your uh, environment, about the people in your environment as well, right? So peace is an important aspect of spiritual fruit because of what it promises the believer. And because it is spiritual fruit and a fruit, we are being told that this peace can be produced in every area of our life to provide its nutrition like, like most fruits and like most fruits of the spirit you can produce a very little or you can produce a very lot. And you can have great peace or even little peace. And I think that's something that's really great about the fruits of the spirit is the fact that you can produce a lot or a little. It really is up to you. It doesn't mean it's not available to you. It just means that are you heeding the spirit? You know, are you giving the spirit what it needs? Are you feeding it with the word of God? And these are ways that we make our fruit robust, right? Have you ever seen someone in just amazing peace? You have, I just have no idea how that person has so much peace. This doesn't just happen overnight, right? Peace is an important aspect of spiritual fruit. And it's interesting that as a fruit of the spirit, we can have a little and a lot. And we have to cultivate peace in our lives like one might tend a garden or an orchard, right? The spirit is readily available with nutrients. From God, but we must be careful not to quench the Spirit when it comes to spiritual fruit. And yes, you can quench spiritual uh, fruit and you can quench spiritual gifts. And we see that a lot um, mentioned in the Bible, right? To truly appreciate the spiritual fruit of peace, we have to understand how God um, sort of describes it within His economy and the context of the kingdom of heaven. And much as we love love and we love joy, right, that we just learned about, these are not emotions and neither is peace, right? Yes, peace can have an effect on our emotions in the same way that we find that love or even joy can have an effect on our emotions, but it in itself is not an emotion. And as it is a fruit of the spirit, peace is also spiritual. And much as we learn that love and joy must be practiced in every area of our lives, peace too must be practiced. You must adopt an enduring commitment to the principle of peace. And most people think of peace as, you know, a feeling that settles upon them. But peace must be practiced and it must be maintained like a fruit tree. And so living things require maintenance and peace is both fruit and spirit. So it lives and it requires attention and deliberate intention to grow and to be effective in our lives. Peace must be maintained between people, in relationships, on jobs, in companies. And even more than that, if we go even further, you can extrapolate it all the way out. It's an ongoing effort that grows or can be built upon. And so if we consider the idea of growth as it pertains to the human body or even fruit, What must happen is that when you have a cell it has to multiply. So it starts out as a couple of sex cells can turn into a full baby with time, you know, and of course with care. And we call that the fruit of the womb. When you have a baby, that's the fruit of the womb, right? Those two cells multiply. And I want you to think of it the same way when you are building or multiplying or even growing the fruit of peace in your own life or in your own relationships or in your business or on your job. I want you to notice in Matthew chapter 5 and 9 as Jesus Christ preaches the Beatitudes that he says that the peacemakers are blessed. Those who seek to forge peace not only in their own lives but in others these are peacemakers and peacemakers are sons of God and if we dare to be called sons of God then part of our work is making peace this is something that we all have to understand as believers multiplying it and sharing peace Jesus isn't telling the multitude this is how to be a son of God no he is telling them this is what a son of god does and this is how you can identify a son of god let's look at matthews chapter 5 and 9 when he's talking about it he says blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the children of god the word peacemaker in the greek and we're using the greek because this is from uh the new testament the word used is erin which means peacemaker or peace loving And i think this part of the definition is really beautiful it means to bravely declare god's terms which makes someone whole i'm going to repeat that one more time peacemaker is one who bravely declares god's terms which makes someone whole that is pretty powerful what are god's terms that make people whole health love care comfort medical treatment food freedom from violence or oppression. These are the terms that make people whole. So please note that to be a peacemaker, it requires bravery. Peace takes courage to speak for ourselves and even others and to care for those who need help and to create spaces for peace where there was none. Speaking up in the defense of the defenseless is an act of multiplying and creating peace Jesus tells us that these brave peacemakers are his sons. Peacemakers are not passive, they're brave. So building peace takes work. It takes a solid dedication to the concept of creating safety, wholeness, and completeness for oneself or others. And so to have peace enough to multiply it, you must practice the principle in your own life. People who feel unsafe or feel broken or incomplete Unfortunately, they often create situations that are against peace, violent situations, oppressive situations, uh, situations of theft and, and, and um, you know, conflict. That is what people who, have, who are broken inside, who have no completeness or peace within, create in their own environments. They are unable to replicate what they don't actually have or feel. And I want us to look at Matthew chapter 10, verse 13 and what it says, and it says, if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. You see, your peace is valuable, right? And in this context, he's talking to the disciples about when they go and share the gospel. He's saying if they turn you away, if they don't treat you well, just be on your way and take your peace with you peace is valuable a worthy house is deserving of it and we see this being demonstrated in the great commission of jesus to his disciples and i think it is not uh, i think that it is notable that he doesn't say if you have peace let it come upon the house he says if the house be worthy let your peace come so we clearly see that God expects us to have peace in some measure if you're a believer you have to have peace in some measure because of the spirit of God and in his counsel Jesus Christ is saying our peace is shareable think about that now our peace is shareable We can share the wholeness, the safety and completeness of our lives with others. But he makes a very clear caveat that if they be worthy, we share that. In other gospels, he says, if the prince of peace be or the son of peace be in the house, then let your peace remain. So he's saying that even that house has to have a measure of acceptance of the peace or peace itself. And i want you to note that he doesn't tell you to camp with or league with those who do not have or practice peace now jesus says a lot of things about how you have to be in the world and you have to do this and that but he doesn't tell you that you have to camp with people who have no peace in fact he says a lot of you he says let your peace return to you. And a great example is let's say, you know, you see someone and you smile and they don't smile back. Well, it's a signal to just keep moving on. Let your smile return to you. Don't be angry. Don't be offended. Just keep your peace, right? And that is the point. We share our peace with others. In Mark chapter 4 verse 9, we see Jesus Christ commanding peace against the sea, right? Notice how he spoke to the sea and not to the storm here. We see Jesus possessing the power to command a thing to be at peace. And I think this is really important. You know, a lot of times we're so busy rebuking things we forget you can just command peace. (laughs) Notice Jesus rebuked the wind in Mark chapter 4 verse 9, but he told the sea to be at peace and to be still. I think this really underscores a very important point in our lives and engagements with the world and others it shows us that some things should be rebuked but other things should be told to be still and to be at peace as believers we need the discernment to determine what things need our rebuke and what things need our peace it's also very much of an underscored point that not everything requires the same response there are times then we ha- when we have to be both lamb and lion. And in this example of Mark chapter 4 verse 9, it literally teaches us that we will even need to be lion and lamb in the very same moment. In that very same moment, he rebuked the wind, but he also commanded peace to the sea. And so many people make the mistake to think that everything requires the same method. And it's true, if you see everything as a nail, you'll always believe the solution to everything is a hammer. So dare to see the nuance in that which needs peace and that which needs rebuke. And so one of the things I've noticed as someone who often has worked and volunteered with children is that sometimes a child needs peace and not rebuke when they're acting out. They didn't need more discipline, commands or chastisement needed loving attention. They needed care and friendship from a caring adult. Some of the people in our lives need care and not rebuke. So peace has real world implications and we see that in Mark chapter 4 verse 9. So peace matters in your daily life. In Mark chapter 9 uh, verse 50, Jesus talks about having salt and the results being peace. Let's look at Mark chapter 9 verse 50. It says salt is good but if the salt lost its savor, where will ye season it? Have salt in yourselves and have peace one with another. And so how does that work? And we have actually another scripture in Colossians which actually explains this verse for us. In Colossians chapter four, verse six, it explains it. It says, let your speech be always with grace and seasoned with salt that you may know how you ought to answer every man note he speaks of seasoned speech that is showing how that is knowing how to answer and communicate and interact with other believers and others in wisdom and care such as not to disturb their souls and shake them from peace or even just to increase the peace in their lives it is the extension of peace through your everyday communications in speech and deed So the Bible talks about this concept with men and their wives, too, encouraging men to understand and speak and interact with his wife with peace. And I have to say, I've noticed that the confusion of sin and worldly gender roles really has led to more dissatisfaction uh, between men and women in their relationships than probably than ever before. And of course, we know this is foretold in the Bible, but still, it's because nobody tries to maintain peace with the other. Men don't know how to speak to women <laughs> and men don't know how to and women don't know how to speak to men because they think they don't have to treat the other with care and with respect and with the things that promote peace. So if you are to be a son of God, you have a duty to peace even with your spouse. I want to show you something in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. It says, Likewise, you husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers, be not hindered. I want you to notice he says in 1 Peter 3 and 7 to dwell according to knowledge. It requires wisdom to know how to properly apply knowledge and many men do not dwell with their wives so as to make the experience for them both peaceful. Remember, it's not just your peace but the peace you make that makes you a son of God as we see in Matthew chapter 5 verse 9. So are you creating peace in your house? or are you stirring up strife? Strife is the opposite of peace, and those who deal in strife can never bring peace into your life, no matter how much you like them or you get along. Remember, check your life. Is there strife or striving involved? If you are seeking to create peace, there will be no room for it to stay, for strife to stay. So I want you to check your relationships. In fact, there's actually a prophecy in Luke chapter 1 verse 79 about Jesus. And in it, the prophecy speaks of him being the one to guide our feet into the way of peace. Let's look at it. It says, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. That's Luke chapter one, verse 79. Now obviously Jesus Christ himself is not leading all of us up until this present moment, but the Holy Spirit does. And he is the one that would come to replace Christ as Jesus Christ said in John verse 15 and 26 but also he plainly tells us that his spirit of truth which is the holy spirit which would guide us would also be in us as it says in john chapter 14 verse 17 let's look at it it says even the spirit of truth truth whom the world cannot receive because it sees him not neither knows him but you know him for he dwells with you and shall be in you therefore this prophecy also speaks to the coming Holy Spirit its ability to guide us into peace it means if we are sensitive to the Spirit we can produce fruit and find peace in our daily lives through his leadings and promptings so what do these promptings look like here are some examples okay don't say this <laughs> right don't do that be sure to encourage instead give a hug here release an offense forgive someone offer help don't say it like that say it like this peace is always a choice so choose a better time to tell him or her find a different way to tell her right so john 15 26 says something really interesting and i think it underscores how we need to interact with each other it says but when the comforter is come when Whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of Truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. Right? There's this Comforter that's coming, that's bringing truth and peace. So the God who knows everything through his Spirit can support every relationship with peace if we would be guided by it. And I want to speak a little about the practical peace that we often forfeit, okay? Okay. I'm good and I know you're talking about like what is practical peace let me give you an example there is a verse in Luke chapter 11 where Jesus himself says something that would seem like a controversy today and I really want you to look at this because it's really quite amazing okay so let's go ahead and read what it says in Luke chapter 11 verse 21 it says when a strong man armed keeps his palace, his goods are in peace. I'm going to read it one more time. It's Luke chapter 11 verse 21 and I want to encourage you to grab it in the Bible and read it. It says when a strong man armed keeps his palace, his goods are in peace. This is what Jesus Christ is literally saying. And so in this we see Jesus alluding to a much wider discussion but he uses a common and plain truth that even he himself does not dispute. He says that a man's goods are in peace. If the man is both strong and fully armed. Now, if you go back and look at the translation of the text, you will see it means armed from head to foot. The truth encapsulated here in this verse on peace and worldly goods is that it requires the ability to defend them ably. Then and only then are his goods in peace. That means complete, whole and safe. And so this helps explain why in the Great Commission Jesus told his disciples to carry a sword in Luke chapter 22 verse 36 let's look at what it says then said he unto them but now he that hath a purse let him take it and likewise his script and he that hath no sword let him sell his garment and buy one so Jesus says it is better to have a weapon to defend yourself than even a second garment in fact just uh, a verse or so down, uh, Jesus makes sure that there was no confusion when one of his disciples produces two swords and Jesus himself tells him this is good. And Jesus is not talking about the sword of the spirit, okay? He's not talking about He's talking about a, a metal a steel sword, right? Good old-fashioned piece of steel. Now, while I cannot tell you what kind of weapon you should have or if you should have a weapon or does that mean you believe in God or whatever, I don't know. I do want you to think about what Jesus is saying. He's making a notable statement about one's ability to have stuff, to have resources, land, wealth, and actually be able to defend yourself that your goods might be in peace. Okay, so you want yourself in peace, but nine times out of ten, you want your goods in peace too. And, you know, I'm often shocked by you know just in the world today when i look out the nations that have great wealth and mineral deposits and production capacity and they have these really inferior tiny little armies and little capacities and they allow others to come into their territories other armies and things and it just it blows my mind because it goes against what I know of in scripture, right? People are gonna tell you that the scripture is passive, that God's word tells you that just love on everybody. No, the Lord is saying, use your good sense. If you want your goods to be in peace, you need to be strong and you need to have a weapon, okay? And I hope this really doesn't offend anyone. I'm really not trying to do so, but I wanted to point this out that Jesus said it because he speaks about it in terms of peace. And I think a lot of times we forfeit the practical peace and then we can't have that then we we're forced to really rely on the supernatural peace when things are going wrong, right? And you just have to think about that. You know, Jesus himself tells us that if you want your goods to remain in peace, you need to be well armed and strong. You need leaders and, and groups and people who work strong that can make sure that others cannot come in and physically or whatever kind of way um, influence, right, to take away the things that you have you will dare to have any goods of value if you want them to remain in peace you need to be well armed and strong and this analogy could be used for women too you know i think we can extrapolate it out if you have something that men find valuable and i'm going to try to be pg here and you live in a wicked world right then you need to be circumspect about how you protect yourself, right? If you have something that is of value, you must know that there are unscrupulous and wicked men who because of strength or weapon will try to take it from you, right? So think about it in the same way. You must take a similar precaution with your body. And I think we must also be practical about the ways in which we keep peace in our lives um, because that's the way you're going to truly have peace in your life is that you're not, you know, impractical, right? And you're being sensible. Oh, I'm just going to leave my door open because the Lord protects me. And you'd better put that key in the door, throw the latch. (laughs) We're not living in heaven yet, okay? (laughs) Let's go to Romans chapter 14, verse 17. I think this is really important because it teaches us to make due room for peace with others. And that includes being realistic about the thoughts and intents of a wicked generation when it comes to anything of value that can be taken by strength or arms. So I'm telling you to go out and buy a weapon? Yes! No, (laughs) I'm not. Truly, it is between you and God what you choose. But you have to dare to, uh, if you dare to have anything, you have to be sure that it needs to be secured. And that is how peace is had with anything, right? Because peace also means safety. So now we finally understand the peace that Jesus Christ left us when we read in John chapter 14, verse 27. It is the peace that is produced from the spirit of truth that would guide us into truth and the way of peace. So let's look at John 14, 27. It says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, give I unto you let not your heart be troubled neither let it be afraid again we hear in john chapter 16 verse 33 that our lord speaks his words to us that we might have peace in our series on joy as a spiritual fruit we saw that his words also lead us to joy and so today we see that it leaves us with peace right it leads us to peace so studying god's word and reading it will add to your peace the more i have come to understand god's word through deep study the more peace i have in facing everyday life let me just be honest with you i'll be a witness to you all hell can be breaking loose but because of god's peace i'm able to have it when i study the word i understand what's going on things don't shock me right so in fact, the Bible says that we preach peace in Acts chapter 10 verse 36. Yes, we as believers preach peace, and I will prove it. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching, pre- peach, I'm sorry, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That is Acts chapter 10 verse 36. I'll read it again. It says, "The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ." is Lord. That is Acts chapter 10 verse 36. So it shows us that we preach peace. And the good news is certainly in addition to your personal peace, as we see in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 17. Remember, God's words add peace. So when we share his word through evangelism or teaching or any other kind of ministry, we are preaching peace and adding peace to a life. This is why it's so important to preach in and out of season as Paul admonished Timothy. When you preach the gospel, you preach peace. The Bible calls it the gospel of peace in Romans chapter 12, verse 18. Let us look at Romans chapter 10, verse 15, okay? It says, and how shall they preach except they be sent as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings Of good things. So in fact we gain peace with God through justification of our faith through Christ as it says in Romans chapter 5 verse 1. So then peace with God comes when we accept Christ. It is the mending or the completing of a relationship and this is why God calls our ministry the ministry of reconciliation. We are repairing the relationship for continued operation. It is possible to forgive but not to reconcile. Reconciliation involves mending the relationship and the paths we walk on to get to each other's heart. This requires repentance on our part and an acknowledgement of the work of Christ and accepting his gift as payment or ransom to our crimes. So we are then able to access our destroyed relationship and come back into fellowship with the Father. So if you do something dastardly enough, you could fall out of grace with your friends or your relatives, right? But only if you repent and change your way and seek reconciliation, can there be hope of restoring the relationship. Remember, God has already forgiven us and prepared a way back to him through Christ, but we must choose the path of reconciliation. You know when you have true reconciliation with someone, when the peace and the wholeness of the relationship is actually restored see the bible once again illustrates the spiritual nature of peace in romans chapter 8 verse 6 by teaching us that how we think matters and transformation of the mind is absolutely necessary look at what it says in romans chapter 8 verse 6 for to be carnally minded is death but to be spiritually minded is life and what and peace that's right for to be carnally minded is death but to be spiritually minded is life and peace so the spirit includes peace it is a feature of god's word god's holy spirit and also god himself that's right god himself in romans chapter 16 verse 20 in philippians chapter 4 verse 7 and even in romans chapter 15 verse 33 god called he's called the god of peace right so he is the originator of peace 2 Corinthians chapter 13 calls him the God of love and peace. Isn't that a beautiful name? We are also told in Ephesians chapter 2 and 4 that Jesus Christ is our peace. He he doesn't just provide it. He is the peace. Knowing that he is with us, Emmanuel, God with us, is peace. Just as we learn that God doesn't just give us an inheritance, He is our inheritance. So now we learn that Jesus Christ is our peace. So peace is also a bond, and I want you to remember that. Peace is a bond, as it says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3. It holds things together. You have something in your spirit that holds things together. When things are unsafe, incomplete and broken it is hard to keep things and relationships and people together right this is why wholeness is the goal peace between a man and a woman keep them together you know we have this saying in the u.s i think it might be among black americans but i'm going to share it with you maybe other people say it and so it's the saying that goes a woman should be a man's peace and you know what There's some truth to that. But true peace is that a man must also be peace for the woman too, in the very same measure. You know why? Because people who find peace with each other generally have no reason to leave, or to avoid each other, or even to dislike each other. People who make it a habit to practice peace can maintain harmony with each other even until death do them part. So instead of telling our sons and our daughters to find the prettiest or the richest or the most admirable or famous spouse, we should be teaching them to find the one that brings them peace. And to whom you can also bring peace as well. You see, peace is a bond and it makes long years, even hard times or even difficult or, or challenging times bearable. You know why? because the one that you're with brings you peace too. So finally, peace is a mind protector. It describes in Philippians that we need to think on certain things and that brings us peace. Comprehension and the ability to move yourself. some some idea from the spiritual realm to the natural realm gives us peace and it helps you to guard your heart and your mind. Let's look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. It says, And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So we must keep our hearts and and, and, and let peace rule our hearts. And so this comes from a spiritual place and it has an impact on our natural world. And we must allow peace to be the ruler or the governor of our lives and our conduct with others and even with God. Let's look at Colossians verse 3 and 15. It says something very beautiful. It says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you are called in one body and be thankful. So we have the prerogative to allow peace to rule or to allow strife to rule, to allow anger or peace peace or cruelty. We always have a choice as we are prompted by the Spirit and even our conscience. What we choose to heed and feed will produce fruit. Strife will produce more strife, but peace will produce more spiritual fruit for the nutrition of you and others. Remember what it says in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 14 that we must pursue peace with all men and holiness with God to see God. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 12 verse 14. It says, Follow peace with all men, and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. And so as we consider this, remember that although you may be at peace with all men, not all mankind will be at peace with you. It is why we see the admonition of our Lord concerning the strong man and the sword, right? Some people are violent. Some people are broken and some people are just unsafe. And we must be able to protect ourselves and the innocent or the weak. It is why you must protect your own peace by practicing love and setting good boundaries that honor your peace and that honor the peace of others. And so we learn that in pursuing peace, we produce a fertile ground that produces a fruit of righteousness as it says in James chapter three, verse 18. So we see, and inextricable connection between righteousness, actually doing what is right in God's eyes and actually having peace in our lives. So I'll leave you with James chapter 3 verse 18 and it says, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. And remember there's no law against peace so keep making peace. Thank you so much for tuning in. I pray that you're well. Bye!